Holy Spirit of the living God. You are the Lord, you are the giver of life. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You are he who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who together with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. We welcome your presence, Holy Spirit. You are the one that comes to make the kingdom real. You are the one that teaches us. You guide us. You are the one that opens our eyes to see things to come. Holy Spirit, open our eyes this morning. Help us see who we are in you and who you are in us. Help us perceive the hope of your calling. Help us perceive the riches of your glorious inheritance that you have prepared for us even in Christ. Help us see and comprehend the extent of your power that is at work within us. Oh God, at, 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 at your presence, let dry, dead dry bones come alive and become a mighty army. Let roots that are died in the ground, let, let, let lost visions be recovered. Let your empowerment bring grace, oh God, that causes men to stand and women to stand and take their place in the army of God. Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you here. It is not by might nor by power. It is by your presence that all things are done in your kingdom. We give you glory. We honor you. We open our hearts to you. We say, oh God, you are omnipotent. Therefore, we allow your potency to be revealed in our hearts and our lives today. That which we cannot do, you do in us. Hallelujah. For you use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things to confound the mighty. So Lord, we recognize that even in our foolishness and in our weakness, your wisdom and your power will be revealed to the glory of your name. So have your way in this place today, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, if you believe that prayer, glorify God this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. The presence of God is here. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I've been sharing on a series of, um, a series about reigning, um, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Reigning through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And we began looking at the subject of grace and also understanding how we respond uh, to grace uh, by faith. And we've been talking and studying on faith. Uh, so this morning, uh, we will continue that study. And we'll go back to Mark eleven twenty three as our jumping off point this morning. You know, it's important to understand that as a human being, as a child of God, you've been created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore you have been created with the capacity to create, to create. God is creator, but he has made us in his image and after his likeness, and therefore you have the capacity to create. Amen. You can create your world. You can create your world. In fact, you have created the world that you live in. Hallelujah. You have created the world that you live in. Uh, and you can create your world. And, um, and Jesus gave us some principles about how to do this in Mark 11, 23 and 24 and 25 and 26. But anyway, in Mark 11, um, an incident occurred where he spoke to a tree and the, the tree shriveled up and his disciples couldn't understand how it happened because they saw this was a miracle. Within two days, the, the tree had dried up from its root. And Jesus said to them, he said, have faith in God or have the faith in God, of God. Or as the Message Bible puts it, embrace the God life, really embrace it, and, and nothing will be too much for you. He said, embrace the God life, really embrace it, and nothing will overwhelm you. Nothing will be too much for you. So that means that there's an expression of the God life, the same life that you have in you. The Bible says that the Father has life in himself, so he has given the Son to have life in himself. And he that has the Son has life, and he, has the, he that has not the Son has not life. The, the life speak, he speaks about here is the, uh, is the Greek word zoe, which is the life of God. So he's saying that the, the life I have is the life my Son has. The life that my Son has is the life that I have put on the inside of you. When you became born again, his life came on the inside of you. That's why you are born again. That's why you are born again. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 9, that whatever is born of God cannot 
habitually practice sin or commit sin because his seed abides in him. You have the life of God, the seed of God in you. So Jesus said, embrace the God life, really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. That means there is an expression of this life that you have that if you embraced it, you will reign as a king in this life. Nothing will be too much for you. Hallelujah. It says nothing will be too much for you. If you are being overwhelmed, all that ought to tell you is that there is a dimension of the God life that you are yet to embrace. He said embrace it, really embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. And then he goes ahead and explains how it works. In verse 23 he says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven uh, forgive your trespasses. So in a few verses, he gives us a template on how to create and how to reign in life. And, and what we've been doing over the last few weeks is sort of dissecting that. If you have not been here, then you need to get the CDs, download from the internet. We have all the material out there. Amen. Now, I, I will try to break it down into some specific steps. We covered some of the steps last week. I'll, I'll go over that again, and I'll expand on them a little bit. Because uh, when we structure things, it's easier for us to engage with them. So if we look at what Jesus said and we break it down, he began by saying, whosoever shall say to this mountain, everyone say this mountain, or say it again, this mountain. So creation begins with being specific. He said, whosoever says to this mountain, so in order to create, you need to, spe to be specific, or, or put it in other words, you need to have a clear-cut desire. In Mark eleven twenty four, 24, the King James puts it this way. It says, what things whoever you desire. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, speaking about faith, the writer said, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So to create... Through the power of faith, you must have a desire or a hope. Are you with me? If you don't have a hope, if you don't have a desire, you can't create. Hallelujah. You can only create what you see. You can only create what you desire. If you can't see it, you can't have it. If you can't see it, you can't what? You can't have it. Because all creation begins with a desire. A desire is a picture. It is a favorable picture or a picture of a favorable outcome. So there's a picture you have in your heart and it is favorable. You know, life, all creation happens in pictures. In fact, you can't think without using pictures. I mean, if I said to you, don't think about a red car. Everyone thinks about a red car. Yeah, because you, you can't um, not have a picture. To understand, you must have a picture. All right? So all understanding, all thinking begins with pictures. With pictures. So in order to create anything, there must be a desire in your heart. And it must be specific. It must be specific. Jesus said, this mountain, it must be specific. You know, there's a story in Mark 10, and this is a story of a man called um, Bartimaeus. I don't know why we call him blind Bartimaeus, because Bartimaeus has, uh, has his sight now. But whenever we refer to Bartimaeus, we call him blind Bartimaeus. Now, there was an incident where Jesus was in Jericho, and he was walking, and um, here is a, a beggar who is blind, and he's screaming out for attention. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46, we wouldn't go to it because of time. But he's screaming out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And his disciples, you know, hmm, you know, we're trying to shut Bartimaeus up. 
Like the master doesn't have time for you. Don't know where they got that idea from. But anyway, let's move on. So Jesus hears Bartimaeus and says, bring him to me. And Bartimaeus, who is a blind man, comes to Jesus and Jesus asks him a curious question. He says, Bartimaeus, what can I do for you? Now, you would expect that. I mean, Jesus has 20-20 vision. I mean, you might think that, um, you know, uh, maybe I shouldn't go to this minister for prayer because it is clear what I need, but he's asking me what I need. So maybe, the, maybe his vision is not very good. Jesus said, Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Now, 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 you need to be specific. To create, you must have a specific desire. What is it you want exactly? You must be able to de describe it because if you can't describe it, it means you can't see it. Hallelujah. If you can't describe what you, are, what you desire or what you are trying to create, you, that means you can't see it. And if you can't see it, you can't have it. If you say, well, I just want God to meet my needs. What does that look like? Hallelujah. What is your budget? What is it you need exactly? I just want a car. Well, which car do you want? I just want any car. Well, well, if the picture in your heart is going to have definition in the physical, if there's no specific picture, you can't create it. Hallelujah. Desire. It begins with desire. It must be specific. And that is why even if you are in a hopeless situation and you have no hope, the, 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 the closer you get to the Lord... The first thing the Lord begins to do is stir desire in your heart. That is why Psalm 37 verse 4 says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, an accurate interpretation of that is that when you have your delight in God, he will start putting desires in your heart. Hallelujah. He will start putting desires in your heart. You know, it is said that um, if you don't have a goal, you, you, you don't have a destiny because um, without goals, you can never reach anywhere. You can never have, you can never achieve anything if you don't have a goal. What is a goal? A goal is a picture, isn't it? A specific picture. It says, by such and so time, I want to enter into these things. He said, if you delight yourself in God, he will start putting his desires in your heart. Your desires will begin to expand. Hallelujah. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God that is constantly at work within you. Giving you the power and the desire to do his good pleasure. God will put desires in your heart. Because he can't connect you to your high purpose if you don't desire it. Hallelujah. It begins with desire. The desire must be specific. It has to be clear. Amen. You know, Satan also uses this principle against us. God uses it for us, but Satan uses it against us. Because, you know, you have authority on the earth, and God has his will that he wants to bring to pass in your life, but he's not going to bring it to pass without you. He needs your cooperation. So as you hang out with him, he begins to put the right desires in your heart. If you want to create anything, you need to have a desire. The desire has to be specific. But you know, Satan also has a plan for your life. We, we don't really talk about that, do we? We always talk about the fact that God has a plan. God has a plan. Well, Satan also has a plan. Are there any amens in the house? Mm -hmm. Satan also has a plan but he needs your cooperation for that plan to be fulfilled. And he knows that he cannot create, you cannot create without desire. So he wants to give you desires. In fact, if you have a good desire, he wants to twist that desire and entice you to do it using his own plans. Or he wants to put a desire in your heart. He wants to put a picture in your heart because he knows that if he can put it in there, he can also help stimulate you to create it. It begins with desire. You know, if you look at James chapter 4, verse 2 says, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not 
because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. He says you don't have because you don't ask. You don't uh, you ask and you re- you don't receive because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own loss. Which means that that desire is not from God. It is from where? It's from the enemy. The Amplified puts it this way, James 4, 3. It says, or you ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask with wrong purpose and evil selfish motives. Your intention is when you get what you desire to spend it in sensual pleasures. Yeah? So the devil can place a desire in your heart or he can twist a God-given desire. You know, let's look at a couple of quick examples of this. Let's start in the beginning with when Satan first came into visibility in Scripture. It was in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? We had Adam and Eve in the Garden. And Satan comes as a serpent into the garden. And he engages Eve in a conversation. Now he could not make Eve sin. He could not make Adam sin. He could not create sin in their lives. He had to um, get their cooperation. Everyone say cooperation. Uh huh. You know why people say the devil made me do it? Uh, It is not true. The devil can't make you do anything. The devil gets your cooperation. You do it. But he entices you and you cooperate with him. So the devil engages Eve in a conversation. He said, has the Lord said that you should not eat any of the trees in the garden? Eve said, no, 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 no. The the Lord didn't say we couldn't eat any of the trees. He said, we can't, we can eat all the other trees, but this particular one, uh, we shouldn't touch it, we shouldn't eat it, because the day we eat it, we will surely die. And then the devil says, no, you shall not surely die. So he disputes exactly what the Lord has said. Now, Eve and the devil get into a conversation. And in her mind, when the conversation began, she had no intention of sleeping with him. I mean, she had no intention of uh, eating the, was it the apple again? I'm getting a bit distracted. He just said, you know, just come to my house. No, sorry. He didn't say come to my house. So, um, I don't know where all this is. Uh, she had no intention of eating the fruit. But she felt, you know, it is safe to engage with him. I mean, I know what I'm I mean, no, I know where my lines stop. I know, I mean, there's no way you're going anywhere. You're getting nowhere with this babe. I mean, with me. So, um, he, she says, no. He, he didn't say that. He said, we can eat anything apart from this one. She said, okay. And then he disputes the Lord. But then, um, verse 6 of Genesis 3 says this. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, so we, we realized that she was actually at the tree. The devil said, um, essentially came into the garden and said, Eve, did God say that you shouldn't eat any of these numerous trees? And he's leading her somewhere. Are you with me? They are walking towards the tree that she's not meant to eat. She said, no, uh, he didn't say we shouldn't eat of any tree. Just this one. Oh, this one. Oh, really? And then he gets her to look at the fruit. Now, now, whatever you look at imprints itself on your heart. Yeah? Whatever you look at imprints itself on your heart. Okay? Or, or, or it tries to imprint itself. And if you don't reject it, it would, it would imprint itself. That's what you are saying. It's like me saying, do not think about a red cat. You all think about a red cat, right? So if you say, I am not going to think about a red cat, you are thinking about a red cat because I said, don't think about it. So... Uh, she didn't want to eat of the fruit, but she was looking at it. So the picture she could see was of the fruit she was not meant to eat. And then they're having this conversation with her looking at the fruit. And then suddenly the Bible says, when she saw that the tree was good for food. Now how did she know it was good for food? You know, she's looking at this thing and it begins to arouse emotions. That she didn't know were there before. And it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. 
The devil took of the fruit. Is that what it says? No, she took it. Hallelujah. Ate it and then gave it to her husband with her. So creation begins with desire. Desire is a picture. And, and you need to be careful what you look at. Because what you look at will create desires in your heart. Amen. What you look at will create desires in your heart. The Bible says that Eve saw that it was a tree desirable to make one wise. Was that a true belief? That wasn't a true belief because this tree or each of this fruit was going to cause her, her to die or to be separated from God. So it is possible to believe the wrong thing, yeah? And you believe the wrong thing if you are looking at the wrong thing. You know, there's somebody here that believes that they should not have a child now because if they have a child now, it would affect their career. Mm -hmm. now, now, why do you think this lady believes that? She's married. She has a career. But she believes that, no, I cannot have a child now because if I have a child, it would affect my career. I wouldn't be able to achieve my dream. Now that is a belief, is it not? But do you know why this lady believes that? She believes it because she has seen examples of people that have had children and it has affected their careers. Now do you know there are people that have had kids and gone ahead and, and had great careers? So it is possible to believe the wrong thing. And you will believe the wrong thing if you are looking at the wrong pictures or allow the long pictures to imprint itself in your heart. Hallelujah. So what you look at is important. Say to your neighbor what you look at is important. Or say it again, what you look at is important. Because what you look at is going to determine what you believe, whether you realize it or not. What you focus on is what would implant itself in your heart, and it is what you will begin to believe. Hallelujah. You know, Job said, I have, uh, this is the amplified. He said, I dictated a covenant, an agreement with my eyes. How then could I look lustfully upon a girl? He said, myself and my eyes have been an agreement. That we will determine where we look. Hallelujah. We are not beyond sin. All we can do is determine where we look. Because he says that if I am looking at the wrong thing, I will begin to desire it. And my heart will begin to lust after it. Hallelujah. What you look at is important. Hallelujah. What you watch is important. What you read is important. You know, Jesus said that if a man looks lustfully at a woman, he has already committed adultery in where? His heart. Why? Because once you, uh, we saw it in James chapter 4, yes, last week, didn't we? That, that when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. When desire gets conceived, it will give birth to sin. You, you, you can't prevent um, childbirth if you have gotten pregnant, unless you have bought the baby. But it's a lot more difficult. Why get pregnant in the first place? Hallelujah. Jesus said when you look lustfully at a woman, when you create that loss, when, when that desire takes root in your heart and it conceives, it's going to bring forth. So sin is the, the child of a conception that began in the heart. Are you with me? Now you know that our world today doesn't help us in this regard. I can speak as a man. Because I am a man and I can't speak from any other perspective. Because what the enemy does is he has infiltrated the world system so that pictures that are out of line with the purpose of God and the mind of God are imprinted in your heart all the time. Do you know that? In the old days, you had to really look at the woman to lust after her. Today, you know, fashion helps you in that regard. It helps you. Fashion is your helper in the kingdom of darkness in that regard. Because most new fashion is all about how little you wear and how much you can reveal. Am I the only one that's seen them? I, I, you know, now the word sexy is now the norm 
Because, you know, people even say, even Christians say that, I want to be sexy, I want to be dressed sexily. But sexily, sexy dressing means that when someone looks at you, they should be thinking about sleeping with you. That's what sexy means. I want to be sexy. Because sex only means one thing, does it not? So if I'm dressing sexily, it means I want to accentuate the kind of things that once I walk into the room, sex is the first thing that people think about. Speak quiet in this Baptist church this morning. I'm still talking about faith. I'm still talking about faith. We're talking about pictures. The devil wants to put the wrong picture in your heart. Amen. He wants to put the wrong picture in your heart. And then he will, he will try to get people to help you cooperate with it. You know, I've noticed that now trousers are no longer how trousers used to be. Because now the cut of trousers is such that your butt cheeks are pushed up. Have you noticed that or is it just me? And it seems to be only women, although some men's fashions have inculcated this. Where it's like, you know, you put on the trousers and the whole point of the trousers is to lift up your butt cheeks and accentuate them. So that as you walk past somebody, their attraction is to one part of your anatomy and it creates a picture in your heart. So as a child of God who has the spirit of God within them, it is important that you do not yield your members to be used to cause despair and destruction in people's lives. It's important. It is important. You know, I think it was uh, Justin Trudeau, the uh, Prime Minister of Canada, that says, um, you know, they asked him, is he a feminist? He said, I'm a feminist. And they asked David Cameron the same question. And David said, well, it depends on what you mean by feminist. If a feminist is someone who believes in equality, then I'm a feminist. So I can say that I follow David's line. I am a feminist. If we're talking about equal work for equal pay, then I am a feminist. But however, if you are painting a picture that women um, should be encouraged or should feel at liberty um, to dress in a way that reduces their dignity, their God-given dignity, then I am not a feminist. You know, there was a guy, a few, uh, one of my friends was telling me about how he was in a meeting and um, there was a, a woman CEO and she said, you know, she was having this meeting with this man and she said, at least we're all men here. Now, now if, if feminism means that, um, you know, we reduce women to men in all regards, then I am not a feminist. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe in dignity. I believe in, in beauty. I believe in, um, in excellence. But it's important to understand that the world is coming to an end and the enemy is the God of the world system. Amen. Where are we talking about? We're talking about faith, aren't we? Let me move on. So faith begins with a picture. A picture that you allow to, uh, a, a desirable picture that takes root in your heart. A desirable picture that takes root in your heart. God will plant desires in your heart. You have some great desires in your heart. The devil will want to put desires in your heart. Um, and uh, it is important that we can tell the difference. You know, Jesus was taken up to the top of a mountain in Luke chapter 4. And the devil, the Bible says, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Uh, showed him a picture of all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all these belong to me. I'll give them to you if you worship me. Yeah. So what was the devil trying to do? He was trying to take the genuine desire that Jesus had and twist it. He said, well, I'll give it to you if you worship it. If you worship me, if you do it my way. Amen. The devil is trying to imprint pictures in your heart. Pictures of lack, pictures of lust, pictures of confusion. It is important to recognize what he's doing and reject them with the right picture of the word. Amen. You can't cast down a thought in Jesus' name. You can replace a thought with a higher thought. Hallelujah. You can't say, oh, I cast you down, I cast you down. It's not cast down. Because the, the, and the, the technology to cast down a thought is by replacing it with what? A higher thought. The devil is trying to bring thoughts into your heart. And when he succeeds in implanting a thought in your heart and it takes root, that is what you will produce irrespective of how long you pray about it. I know it can be very tricky. Something happened to me on, uh, something happened to me on Friday. Now, see if you can resonate with this. My driver came late on Friday. We have one driver. He came late on Friday morning. 
Oh, no, he came late on Monday morning uh, to take the kids to school. So he really messed us up. So on Friday, I had a conversation with him, and I said, you know, I was very upset with the fact that I came late on Monday morning. And we sort of talked about it for a little bit. He was giving some excuses and da-da-da, so we just, you know. But I was not very happy at the end of that conversation. I said, basically, you need to make up your mind. At least if you're going to be late, give me a call. Let me know you're going to be late. Uh, You know, because he was late and he didn't call and, you know. So I was not happy with his behavior. And I said, well, you need to make up your mind about what you want to do. And then after that conversation, he said, well, Oga, in fact, I wanted to talk to you about something. I said, what is it? He said, you know, everything is expensive now. I said, yeah. He said, um, I wonder if you could do something for my salary, like increase my salary. Now, we just had this conversation where he had upset me and he wasn't apologetic. And then two minutes later, he's asking for a salary increase. Now, I wasn't, honestly, in my heart, I was not upset about the fact that he asked for a salary increase. But I was a bit ticked off at the fact that he introduced it after we had just finished this conversation, which he was not apologetic for. So I said to him, Because we're talking about fuel prices, gone up, and all this stuff, you know. So I said, you know that I am an employer. He said, yes. And I employ a lot of other people. He said, yes. I said, what if I came to all my employees and said to them, you know what? You know, my salary is not going up. And everything has gone up in terms of price. Fuel has gone up. Dollar is up. I cannot afford to pay your salaries. In fact, I want to reduce your salary. Because I'm buying the same petrol, I'm buying the same diesel. I said, what if I went to all my employees and said that to them? How does that sound to you? He's like, well. So we ended that conversation and I left. But when I was talking, you know, I was not upset. I wasn't angry, but I was just saying, you know, I was trying to make a point to him. But as I began to speak those words, something was going on in my heart and I couldn't understand what it was. But I, I just thought I was upset. And then I got out of the car, went into the house, but there was there was something that affected the the atmosphere of my heart. And the Lord spoke up to me and said, really? Our salary is not increasing? I I said, uh, he said, you mean uh, we're not, we're not, our salary is not increasing. We're not expanding. I said, "Uh, um, no, no, no. I didn't really mean, he said, no, but you said, our salary is not increasing. Is that the case? Just let me know now. You know, I'm going to have to increase that guy's salary. As a way of educating, it's not that he deserves it, understand me. As a way of educating my heart that no, 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 we don't, you don't allow the enemy to bring you into a sequence of words that gets into your heart and what God wants to do on the inside. Are you with me? Now, now these are serious issues now. These are serious issues. Because the Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it come forth the issues of life. You must guard your heart. You must guard the pictures on the inside. You can't allow somebody to be used by the devil to engage you in a discussion you feel validated to have that goes against what you believe on the inside. I should have said, I'm not increasing your salary, even though I can. My life is increasing, but... I'm not increasing yours because you need to learn discipline. I should have said that. Are you with me? So, so creation always begins with a picture, a desire. It needs to be specific. What picture do you see? The reason why my heart responded is because I have been training my heart to see my life in a different way. Hallelujah. How, how, how do you see your life? Is that picture clear on the inside? He said, whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt where? In his his heart. So the second step to creation is find the word of God's promise that guarantees you what you desire. We covered this last week. You know, faith begins where the will of God is known. You cannot have faith if you don't know the will of God on the matter. So when you want to create something, when you have a desire, 
okay, I have, this, I have this clear desire. I know what I want. I know what I desire. It doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. Yeah? In fact, when God begins to put desires in your heart, they'll be way bigger than you can ever achieve. They'll be way bigger. Way bigger than you can ever achieve. Hallelujah. But, but as, the more you pray, the bigger it will become. The more you pray, the clearer it will become. You won't be able to push it out of your mind because it's just there. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter how big it is. But it says you must believe in your heart. You must believe in your heart. So you must have the promise that guarantees that this is the will of God for you. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If you look at Matthew chapter 8, write it down because of time, we won't go to it. But in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, a man with leprosy came to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, you can heal me if you will. You can heal me. How many of you, us believe that God can do anything? Really? That's why he's God, right? He's omnipotent. He can do anything. But you know that even the devil knows or believes that God can do anything. Yeah? It is not whether God can do anything that matters. It is will he do it for you? That is the critical issue. Will God do this for me? That is the critical issue in everybody's heart. Not can God do it. No, will he do it? So this guy was leprous. Jesus was there. And he was still leprous. And he said, Jesus... You can heal me if it is your will. Jesus said, it is my will. Be healed. And he was instantly healed. So in order to create, in order to receive the power of God in your life, your heart must believe that this is the will of God for me. Hallelujah. Your heart must believe it. That this is God's will for me. If your heart believes it, then at that point of prayer, you believe that it is yours. Now, in order for your heart to believe it, you must know it is the will of God. And that is why you must find a verse of scripture where God promises you that thing which you believe. Hallelujah. You must find it. You must find it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, in 1 Corinthians 2.9, the Bible says, I has not seen ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Hallelujah. So prepared things have to be perceived and revealed. And that's why prayer is so important. You must believe that this is the will of God for you. And you must begin with a promise that deals with that issue. Amen. The word of God is the logos of God. It is the revealed will of God. But there are some other areas where the Bible doesn't have chapter and verse or verse on that specific thing. But the spirit of God will reveal the will of God in that matter to you. Amen. But you begin with the word of God. Start with the word. Hallelujah. Start with the word. And that's why prayer is so important. Jeremiah 33 three says, ask of me and I'll answer you and I'll show you something. I will give you revelation. There are things that I've seen about my future. There are things that I've seen about the future of this ministry that have come by revelation. And I know that I know that I know that I know that I know it's the will of God for us. Hallelujah. Now you can have that concerning every aspect of your life. Go to the word. Find a promise that deals with the issue. And then go into the spirit. And the spirit of God will give you greater definition. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, like I said last week, the word of God is like the sperm that fertilizes the egg. Your egg must be fertilized. You must get pregnant. Amen. Life, living life must be in your heart that this thing is alive. It belongs to me. Amen. Look at 1 John 5.14. 1 John 5, 14. 
I'll read from the King James, the New King James rather, and then the Amplified. Faith begins where the will of God is known. 1 John 5.14. You must know the will of God concerning a matter. Amen. Don't go and pray if it be thy will. Whatever your will is, let it be done. No, you won't bring anything to pass. When Jesus prayed, if it be thy will, uh, he entered into the will of God. Are you with me? It was a prayer of commitment that God, I am willing to commit to whatever you want me to do. But, but then he, he said, for this reason, I have come to the world. This is the reason why I'm here. Uh, are you with me? So you might not know the will, but you need to find the will. Uh, and when you find the will, then you can believe God. Uh, are you with me? When we search the scriptures, we will always know the will of God. When we search the Holy Ghost, we will know the will of God about the matter. Pray until you know the will of God about that matter. Otherwise, you cannot believe God for it. Your heart will not believe that it is ours. John 5, 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we have asked of him. Hallelujah. The Amplified puts it this way. It says, this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure. You know, there's a lot of confidence in this verse. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will, in agreement with his own plan, he listens and hears us. And if or since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions, the request made of him. <laughs> I like that. It means that if I go to God with his word on a matter, you know, it's like the prodigal son's elder brother. The father said to him, he said, Father, you haven't given me anything. The father said, everything I have is yours. So when we ask God, it's not that we're trying to convince God to give us something he doesn't want. You must go to God knowing what his will is on the matter. You must know what his will is on the matter. So when you go to the Father, you are not asking like that, is it your will or is it not? You are appropriating that which you know is his will. Because John says that when we go to him in agreement with his plan, we have as our present possession... That means that at that point of prayer, it is instantly given to us because we know it is, it is his will. Your heart can believe that, okay, God has answered my prayer. Why? Because you have his word on the matter. Hallelujah. And what then happens is that that seed of the word fertilizes that egg of desire and a pregnancy occurs on the inside. It is alive. You know it is yours. Hallelujah. That is how it begins. You know it is yours. You see it as your present possession. You see it as your present possession. Number three, pray and meditate until you have assurance that it is yours. So you see the word on the matter, God's word on this matter, begin to meditate on it. Make that what you think about. Fill your heart with it. Hallelujah. Meditate on it until you have an assurance. You have an assurance that it is yours. You know, in 1 John 5, 9, turn to 1 John 5, 9. You know, this is where it begins. Hallelujah. There's action, but you must begin with understanding. You know, when David got up and went towards Goliath, Goliath was conservatively between 9 and 11 feet tall. He was a soldier from his youth. He needed somebody to carry his shield because it was so big. Yeah? 
David was a little boy. He was a teenager. Now, in our market, it's like we have Davids in the midst of Goliaths. There are real Goliaths out there. And if you've read the Bible, you'll see that Goliath had brothers. Maybe I'll, go, I'll get to preach about that soon. But David got up. He ran toward Goliath. In fact, he didn't have his armor with him. He just had a slingshot. He was on the way to reaching Goliath that he stopped by the brook to carry the stones. He said, Goliath, you come at me in the name of your gods and with your armor. I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel whom you have blasphemed this day. He said, this day I will cut off your head. You know, when David was running, he wasn't afraid. He was confident. He was confident because there was a living picture on the inside. If David didn't have a living picture on the inside, he would have been afraid. And he had good reason to be afraid. Your heart must embrace truth. This is where creation begins. It will, it will cause you to be consistent and maintain a standard of excellence in an economy where everybody is looking for shortcuts. Hallelujah. It is faith in the heart of a man that understands that as sure as God is God, this thing will come to pass. It is faith in the heart of a man that can cause you in that kind of economy to maintain your integrity, to maintain your joy, to speak words of life, to look at what is in your hand and understand that what God has put in my hand, I will, I will educate it, I will refine it, I will leverage it, I will maintain excellence in it and God will reward the excellence of the work of my, work of my hands because God has said that when I am diligent in my business, I will stand before King and not before mere men. You, you, you've got to have something alive on the inside. Otherwise, you'll be frustrated. Your desire must be fertilized by the word. And then like John, you'll be able to say we are confident because we know. Hallelujah. We have in our present possession, we're not confused about God's will in the matter. We are not confused about the outcome. I only see one outcome and one outcome alone. There is no plan B. There is only plan the word of God. And the word of God is living. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the divining asunder of the soul and spirit and joint and marrow. The word is a hammer. The word is a fire. With his word, I will leap over a wall. With his word, I will run through a troop. Who art thou, O mountain? Before me, you will be made a plain. Hallelujah. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Meditate on the truth until there's that assurance that it is yours. This is where we begin. We begin with the end. Hallelujah. We, we, we start creation with the end clear in our hearts. The outcome of this is clear. David said, I will cut off your head. He didn't even have a sword. It was Goliath's sword. He used to cut off the Goliath's head. He, he, he saw a picture. What did he see? He wasn't confused about what was going to happen. Well, may the Lord give us victory. No, David was very clear. Let me tell you what is going to happen here. Let me tell you what is going to happen here. I am coming to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Your head, I will cut it off. I will show it to all the camp of the Philistines. We are going to chase your people. You will know Jehovah is God today. Uh-huh. What do you see? What do you see? Your vision, your dream, your goal must be energized by the living word. In 1 John 5, 9, it says, we, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the Son has the witness in himself. He who does not believe, God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given us of his Son. He said, he that believes God has this witness in where? Himself. How many of you know that if you die today, you're going to heaven? How do you know you're going to heaven? Have you seen the book of life? You have not seen the book. Have you seen the book? You haven't. But on the inside, there's this witness. It's an amazing thing. You knelt down before God and said, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And then something suddenly happened. On the inside, there was an assurance that it is mine. It is mine. It is mine. Now, the Bible says that concerning every matter of life, you can come to a point that when you believe the Lord on something, 
you have a witness in yourself. A witness in yourself. When you spend time in the word and when you meditate in the word covering that matter that you desire, you will have a witness in yourself that it is done. There'll be that assurance. Hallelujah. Just, you can't explain it. But there's just that settled feeling. You know, Pastor Anita was talking about the incident that happened in Kenya a few weeks ago. And there was this mudslide and the car was uh, going to the edge. And on the inside, there was just calmness. That's a witness. You understand? A witness. That I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That, that witness in there. Hallelujah. You would have that witness concerning every matter of life that you meditate on. That is your heart believing. That it is, it is mine. You are not meant to believe that it's going to happen. No. You believe that you have it in your present possession. A woman that is pregnant does not get anxiety about being pregnant. She says, I am going to have a baby because I'm pregnant. How do you know you are pregnant? I know I'm pregnant. When you are pregnant on any matter, there will be joy. There will be peace. There will be confidence concerning the outcome. This pregnancy, I'm going to take it to term and I will deliver because I am pregnant. How do I know I'm pregnant? Because the word of God on the matter has settled it in my heart. Amen. I see myself with it. Hallelujah. Number four. You know, incubation is so important. And it's linked to number three. You know, a chicken lays an egg. And then the chicken sits on the egg. Just sits. Sits on it. It's called incubation. That process of incubation gives life to this egg. Yeah? It, it creates a chick. It, it sits on it. You need to incubate the things that you see. Spend time just, just meditating on them. Seeing them. Make sure that that picture is clear in your heart. Incubate. Incubate. Sit on it. Sit on it. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that, um, that, that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And he despised the shame. There was a joy set before him. He had a clear picture about the outcome of the whole uh, cross scenario. It was a joy. It was set within his inner man. Hallelujah. So when he walked through Gethsemane, when he went through the cross, there was a picture. What caused him to be able to go through the cross was that picture. Hallelujah. Amen. That picture. Yes, you will go through many trials. Yes, you will go through disappointments. Yes, you will go through tribulation. But what's, what keeps you joyful in the midst of it is you have a living picture on the inside. Incubation. Incubation. Spend time incubating. Incubate. Think about the word. Think about what God has said. Uh, and then weave that word into your desire. Uh, and, and see it. Pray over it. Meditate on it. Incubate it. Hallelujah. It is in the realm of incubation that the spirit of God speaks. Because as you begin to look at that picture that you are incubating upon, you will hear the voice of the spirit. And he will instruct you in the way that you should go. Amen. I, I, I'm sure I gave this testimony last week about um, uh, a time when, um, when we're believing God for something. And I believed the word. And then um, I just prayed in the spirit. And one morning, one morning, I, 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 you know, I just kept that picture in my heart. That God has answered my prayer because what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it. I, I, I kept praying in the spirit. And then one morning I wake up and the first thing that comes up, something comes up in my heart. An instruction about who to go and see. And I went to see the person and the miracle that I believed God for occurred happened instantly. It is in the realm of incubation that the voice of God will come. Because in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. In the quietness of your inner man is where the spirit of God, the still small voice of the spirit will have clarity. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And then the last thing, and I need to stop here. Praise the Lord. And then the last point is, when a woman is pregnant, there comes a point when that baby must be delivered. All right? And you get into the uh, delivery room, and then 
you know, she begins to have contractions and she's instructed to push. Yeah? She's instructed to push. All right? Now, look at, um, let me stop with uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 6. It says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? What does it say? It says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, the reason why this works is because of a principle. Verse 10 says, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Okay? This is the way all things work. This is the way all things work. He says, don't think that your, you see, you want a miracle? Yes. Your miracle is not far away. Say to your neighbor, your miracle is not far away. Or say to them like you really believe it. Paul says, you don't need to go into heaven or you don't need to go into hell, yeah, to bring this thing to class. He says, the word is near you. It is in your heart and in your mouth. What is, in, what is going on in your heart and what comes out of your mouth is what is going to determine what happens. What is, what is going on in your heart? What is in your heart? Do you have a living picture? Is it alive? What is in your heart? He says, with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. You know, Leoman B. Yeomans in her book, uh, uh, The Life of Faith, put it this way. She said, with the heart, one believes unto the creation of a thing. And with the mouth, confession is made unto its manifestation. Creation begins in the heart. Creation begins in the heart. It doesn't matter how much you say. If, you don't, if, you, what, if it's not created, you're just speaking empty words. He said, with the heart, one believes unto the creation of a thing. But then, at, then, for there to be a manifestation, there must be an expression. Hallelujah. The words that you speak, the actions that you take, are what release the power in your heart. You know, you can always tell what people believe by the quality of their work. I don't, I don't care how, uh, how many all-night prayer meetings you've been, if I see the quality of your work and it is shoddy, then you're not a believer. Hallelujah. When I say you're not a believer, I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. I'm saying that you're not a believer that, that God is going to prosper the work of your hands. Because when somebody believes that God is going to prosper the work of my hands, then every work that comes out of their hands will be a testimony of faith. Now, man, this person really believes in their product. Are you with me? How you handle the work of your hands tells me if you are a believer or not. The excellence of your life, the integrity of your life is an expression. It's not just, you know, oh, I believe God is my multiplier, multiplier, multiplier. No, the quality of everything you do, the expression of your life shows your faith. Paul was preaching and the Bible says that he perceived that a man had faith to be healed. Everything that was coming out of that man's inner man, everything about that man showed what he believed. Hallelujah. Let the way you walk, let the way you talk, let the way you speak, let the quality of the work of your hands show what you believe. Let it be a testimony of your faith. It says with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you criticize this country you will never receive of his fruit. Hallelujah. If God is going to bless you through this country, then you better bless this country. Hallelujah. Because this is where your blessing is coming from. Amen. He says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. This is the, these are some of the principles of creation. Let us put them to work this week. Hallelujah. Let us put them to work this week. Hallelujah. Don't look to people to dictate to you what to believe. Let the word, let your heart, let your time with God dictate what you are going to believe. Let the word dictate what you believe. Hallelujah. Amen. And then you'll be like a light shining in a dark place. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for the word. We're thankful, Lord God, for the life of the word in this place. 
We're thankful, Lord God, because under the ministry of your word, your people are coming alive. Babies are leaping in people's hearts today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, life is coming out of death. Light is coming out of darkness in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Bring in transformation into our lives as we obey your truth. Hallelujah.